Does any man call being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing. But the keeping of the commandments of God, of the word of God, that every man abide in the same calling wherein he is called. Are you called a slave? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a slave, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant, bond servant. You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men, the slaves of men. Brethren, that every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads, is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. But by the grace of God, we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Next, while serving the Lord Christ, the Apostle Paul answers a second question the Corinthians were concerned about. It has to do with single and unmarried people in the church. Dr. Mitchell will be giving three reasons why the Apostle Paul suggested that some Christians might consider staying single. In our passage today, starting at 1 Corinthians 7.18, the priority for the Christian's heart centers on Christ himself. In whatever vocation he may find us, we are there to abide with him and there to remain. If he has other plans, we can trust him to direct us. Here's Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. And we're studying together the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthian church. And as I read and reread this book through, I, this, this epistle through, I'm, I realize more and more not only the condition under which Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, but I begin to see that even today we have, there are certain principles here that we ought to follow, especially in our day as we see permissiveness in our society. This was true in Corinth. Corinth was a very, very corrupt immoral city. In fact, to be called a Corinthian was a vile word. And out of this vileness, out of this moral corruption, the gospel of the grace of God had come and a great, great company had been saved. But they were being very permissive still in their actions. And they were very tolerant toward sin, especially immorality. Remember that this was part of the worship of the great Diana, the idol in the city 
of Corinth. Uh, pardon me, Venus. When one thinks of the of the corruption today, what a need for us to follow through some of these principles that Paul is dealing with. The great passion of his heart is that nothing shall interfere with the gospel of the grace of God going out to men and women. When we come to chapter 9, we'll find that very clearly set forth. Oh, would to God that we had a passion for Christ, for the honor of his name, and for the giving out of the word of God that this man Paul had. So when I read these passages, I can't help but see the situation which Paul, under which Paul writes. Now, we were dealing in our last lesson with instructions in the family between husbands and wives, mentions children. Concerning those who are unmarried, he thought on because of the present stress and trouble, be wise for them not to be married. We shall see that now in our lesson today. In verses 12 to 17, we have the action of grace in contrast to law. Under the law, uh, the law of Moses, an Israelite was never to marry a Gentile. And I give you the illustration in the book of Ezra, uh, chapters 9 and 10, the last two chapters of the book of Ezra. But under grace, no, you stay with your man, you stay with your wife for the purpose of winning them to the Savior as well as for your children. Now in verses 18 to 24, we are to abide in one's calling. In other words, we are to glorify God wherever we are. Listen to what he says. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. But the keeping of the commandments of God, of the word of God, that every man abide in the same calling wherein he is called. Are you called a slave? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a slave, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant, bond servant. You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men, the slaves of men. Brethren, that every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Now he's talking here about us. Wherever we are, whatever we are, we are called to serve him. Whatever circumstance you find yourself, whether you're a slave or whether you're not a slave, whether you're circumcised or whether you're not circumcised, these things neither here nor there. The important thing is to serve the Lord. You belong to Him. We are His by right of purchase. You're bought with a price. You remember in chapter 6, we had the same thing. Don't you know that your body is the sanctuary of the Spirit of God? which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit and your body, which are his. In Acts chapter 28, where Paul writing to the Ephesian elders, you remember when he met them on the short Miletus, on his way to Jerusalem, he said to them, take heed to yourself and to the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. 
which he bought for himself, redeemed. We have redemption through his blood. That's why the apostle Paul could say in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, if I seek to please men, I am no longer the bondservant of Jesus Christ. You remember in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Could you say that? Can you say that? It's what Paul is talking about. Wherever you are, under whatever condition you may be in, that's the best place for you to serve the Lord. You know, some people have an idea that to serve the Lord, they've got to be a preacher or a missionary. No, sir, wherever God's put you. Allow me just say a word concerning this. Let's be clear in our mind. God has made each one of us different. Each one has a special gift from the Lord. He's made you the way you are. And there's nobody like you in the whole wide world. He made you specially for himself. And he's put you under certain circumstances, and that's the best place for you to start and serve the Savior. I remember one time, one of the men coming to me and saying, Dr. Mitchell, I wish you'd pray for me that I might get another job. Then I said to him, well, uh, don't you care for your job? Oh, yes, I'm not at all dissatisfied with my job. Satisfied with your wages? Satisfied with my wages then what in the world do you want to leave your job for? Why do you want another job? You like your job? You're satisfied with the wages? What do you want to leave it for? Well, he said, I'm the only Christian in the plant, in the shop, and I'd like to get a job where I'll have some other Christians. Well, I said to him, well, sir, mentioning him by his name, I said, I'm going to pray again, yeah. He said, don't you pray again, me? I said, yes, I'm going to pray again, yeah. I said, if you leave the shop, how many Christians will be left? He said, none. Then I said, why do you think the Lord's got you there? He put you there for a the purpose. We serve the Lord Christ. And wherever God puts us, and whatever we are or wherever we are, we ought to magnify him. That's what Paul is talking about. We serve. We are the Lord's servant. As Paul could say, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. You're bought with a price. Be not ye the slaves of men. They may Christ be the center, not only of your affection and devotion, but of your service. God's put you in there for a distinct purpose. God has allowed me to stay in Portland for nearly 49 years. You see, they can't get rid of me. But I mean, 49 years in this city, and I'd like to have gone under other cities are wonderful, other places are wonderful, but God has kept me right here for a purpose. And until that purpose is accomplished, I'll still be here. God's put you where you are. You say, well, I don't like my circumstances. That may be true, but the Lord understands that. The best place for you to start and serve the Savior is right where you are. I know if I were in some other place, what I would do for God. No, you wouldn't. The best place to serve is right where you are, right in your family, right where you are. That's what he's dealing with here in Corinth. You serve the Lord Christ. Remember in Paul's day, 
Some of these Christians were slaves. What shall I do? Shall I run away from my master? No, serve the Lord Christ where you are. Who knows? Through you, your master may come to know the Savior. Who knows? Some of these other slaves may come to know the Savior. So wherever God puts you, that's the best place for you and for me to serve him. We serve the Lord Christ, you see. We're God's servants. Don't you be the servants of men in that sense. And you say, well, I've got a job. I've got to obey orders. That's true. But you're not a bond slave to men. You're a bond slave to the Savior. And remember again, may I suggest that a slave has no possessions of his own. He has no time of his own. He has no will of his own. He's entirely owned by his master. And we have a wonderful master. We have a wonderful master. And he acts toward us in grace, in love. The Lord never comes along with a club and beats you up. He pleads with you. He exhorts you. He'll never push you. He'll draw you. The thing that he wants is you. And when he has you, he has everything else. Oh, the marvel of it all. The marvel of it all, that wherever we are, he understands our position, he understands our circumstance, and is absolutely sufficient for us, and is able to succor us even in the hour of terrible temptations and trials. He's able to succor us. And how I love that verse in Hebrews 4.16, that has come with boldness to the throne of grace and there obtain mercy and fine grace to help in every time of need. Why? Because you're the object of his love. You are the object of his devotion. Well, I'm trying to get to your heart from verses 18 down through verse 24. Wherever you are, under whatever situation you find yourself, whether you're a slave or not, Paul, I'm talking about Paul at Corinth. You serve the Lord's Christ. You're God's free man. And God has the power. And God is sufficient to set everyone free. But Paul says, if you're a slave, you serve the Lord Christ. So what purpose? In order to win your master and the rest in the house. This is what I'm after all the way through here. Same in the family relationship, between the husband and the wife. What for? That the wife may lead her husband to the Lord, that the husband may lead his wife to the Lord, that the children might come into relationship with the Savior under the blessing of God, set apart for the wonderful blessing of God. Then he follows along. Wherever you are, whoever you are, you belong to him. He's redeemed you. He bought you for himself. We are his bond slaves. Shall I add his love slaves? Now, following from there, we come into the, in the rest of the chapter, from verses 25 to 40, right through to the end of the chapter. The desire to be freed from distractions in order to serve the Lord. Verses 25 to 40. Now, he picks up the same thing. He continues right along. He talks about those who are not married. And in, in Paul's judgment, in verse 25, it would be well for them for the present distress to stay as they are. Now remember again, at Corinth, as well at that time of the year, that time in our history, martyrdom, suffering, persecution 
was the portion of those who accepted the Savior. Now remember this. They were the objects of intense persecution. Under Diocletian, down there at Smyrna, there are ten different times of persecution. These were men on the, on the throne of Rome. Um, Caesar, Nero, Diocletian, these men, especially Nero and Diocletian, they hated the gospel of the grace of God. And thousands upon thousands of Christians were burned at the stake, were thrown into jail, torn to pieces because they loved the Savior. Now, Paul, under that situation, is saying, because of the present distress, it's good for a man to be, as Paul was, to be single, giving himself entirely unto the Lord. Now, let me read. Are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Uh, are you loosed from a wife? Seek not one. And if you marry, you haven't sinned. And if a girl marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, they will have trouble in the flesh, and I would seek to spare you. But I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives as though they had none, they that weep as though they wept not, they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possessed not, they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away, and I want you to be free from care. For he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. He that is married careth for the things that are of this world, that how he might please his wife, and so forth and so on. In other words, he's saying here, because of the present distress, but a man is not married, he's free to go on with God. And if he's persecuted and thrown in jail, he's not worried about a wife and children. And he would have them without care. You see what's in Paul's mind. He's speaking for them that they may have that place of freedom to glorify God. And if they are called to suffer, are called to be a martyr for Christ's sake, they won't be troubled about what's happening at home. And then he goes on from verse 34, right on down through, and he talks about the difference between a wife and a one who is not married. The unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord and so on. Whereas the wife cares for the, for the things of this world, how she might please her husband. In other words, the husband is caring about the family and the wife is caring for the husband and family. You can see that. Now I speak this for your profit. Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but that which is comely, that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. And he goes on to say, however... If you want to be married, go ahead and get married. Go ahead and get, you do well. So you're on to verse 38. He that giveth her in marriage doeth well. He that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, but only in the Lord. Again, I stress that, which we said the other day in our lesson, the beginning of the chapter, if you're going to be married, be married in the Lord. I would suggest 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6 at the end of the chapter, where how can an unbeliever be married to a, 
an un- how can a believer be married to an unbeliever, and so on. If her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she, is, if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the Spirit of God. So here you have this question. The desire to be freed from distractions in order to serve the Lord. 25 to 40. And he gives you three reasons for it. Because of the persecution, 25 to 26. He wanted to spare them tribulation in the flesh, 27 to 31. And he wanted to remain single for Christ's sake. By the way, there's a verse comes to me concerning that. Remember in chapter 19 of Matthew, where the question was asked our Savior concerning the matter of divorce. I'm not going to go back into that, by the way, except the, the question they asked was, uh, is it lawful to put for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And you remember the Lord gave them just one cause, adultery. And then you go on down to verse 10. His disciples say unto him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said to them, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. Some are eunuchs, which were so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And then there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. All do not have the power to do that, but at every man be according to his gift. This is what Paul is dealing with in Corinthians. Because of the situation, because of the circumstances under which we live, the opposition, the persecutions, the martyrdoms, Paul says, I wish you were all like me. And as Paul could say, you remember in Galatians 1.10, if I seek to please men, I cease to become the bond slave of Jesus Christ. And what this dear man Paul is after is for us to make Christ the very center of our lives. If you're married, live unto God. If you're not married, then you're not going to be hindered. You can give more time to the Lord. This is what he's talking about. Otherwise, if you get married, you've got to consider your wife, you've got to consider your husband. And when persecution comes for the possibility of martyrdom for yourself, for your wife, for your children, you're going to have trouble in the flesh. Uh, this is the key right through the whole passage. The great desire to allow nothing to interfere with our honoring, glorifying, magnifying our wonderful Savior before men and women. May I say, my friends, today, even though it may not be very clear to you what I have said in Corinthians 7, the great passion of Paul's heart, which we will see in chapter 9, whether he lived or whether he died, made no difference, as long as Christ be magnified in his body. For to me to live, Christ, to die, is to be with Christ. So what's the difference, says Paul? Whether I live or whether I die, as long as Christ is magnified in my body. I'm quoting, by the way, from Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Whether I live or whether I die makes no difference. 
as long as Christ is magnified in my body. This is what God wants of you. It's what God wants of me. And this is what you have in, in Corinthians chapter 7. It's not to get married for the purpose of glorifying God in view of the present distress. Now, we are not living under that sort of a thing. In Paul's day, it Corinth, it meant martyrdom, it meant suffering, it meant persecution. And he wanted them to be free to serve the Lord and communicate the gospel of the wonderful grace of God to the people of Corinth. So I say to you, wherever you are, whoever you are, you live for God. The most important thing for you and me, if we're Christians, is to magnify the Savior. And let me say, my friend, to you again, if you're not saved, if you don't know the Savior, I want to tell you that he paid the price for you to pass from death to life. Our Savior died to put away your sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now may the Lord make it clear to you, he is still saying to men and women, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. May the Lord bless you today for his wonderful namesake. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.